Thank you for taking the time to get naked with us. If you'd like to bear it all with me, get in touch. Your story is unique and valuable. Let's show it off. Hello, and welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Today, I'm going to have so much fun with Mika McCook, and part of that is just saying your name, which I just learned is the shortened version, so tell the story, Mika, of your name. Well, my dad actually named me. My mom had a whole name picked out for me, and while I was asleep, my dad and my aunt just threw in a name there, and um, I'm actually mixed with Mexican, my mom is Mexican, and so my middle name is Maria, and this is a direct quote from my dad. He's like, I needed it to sound somewhat Mexican so your mom wouldn't kill me, so we threw in Maria. And uh, my mom was so upset that she refused to call me Tamika, and till this day, unless she has to, she doesn't call me Tamika. She calls me Mika. So my nickname is Mika. Everybody calls me that. Unless I don't know you, <laughs> they're going to try to pronounce my name. And it's spelled weird. It's spelled T-H-A-M-I-C-A. So I've heard every variation of how to pronounce my name. And it's kind of amazing at this point, the creativity that comes out of people. <laughs> See, so I'm Jennifer, obviously, but it's, I was born in 70. And not only was it the most popular number one name in 70, it's like every year for 30 years, it is the most popular name. So I hate, I was Jennifer Susan Taylor. You can't get any more Wonder Bread white <laughs> boring than that. So you've got like Tamika Maria McCook, and I'm like, yeah, it sounds sexy. Salsa dance. It took me a while to love it. It took me a while to love it and embrace it. It's actually um, what I ended up naming my first photography business, Tamika Photography. So um, I'm thankful now that my dad had a sense of humor and a creative mind. But um, I actually didn't learn my first name, like my full name until I started elementary school. And it was the most devastating thing I ever went through. Like I thought my mom lied to me and you know, my poor teacher had no idea that I didn't know my full name. And so I came home and I was like, mom, you lied to me. Why did you lie to me? Why did you tell me the truth? And she's like, oh, oh gosh, let's have this conversation now. <laughs> so, I mean, I love my name now. It took a while. Now it's just, um, it's something that I'm very proud of. Uh, my dad actually passed away uh, two years ago. And so, um, now, when I think about my name and how proud my dad was of this name, like, really, he he talked about this, like, he discovered the lottery. And um, now I just, I love it so much because it's a part of him and it keeps me close to him. That is awesome. So we're going to jump in. I got way off track. Sorry, I got so excited. <laughs> no worries. The no website worries. to find you at is F-Stop Podcast, which sounds like a swear, but it's not. It's about photography. It is not. I, I love this. So tell me everything that you are doing with your life in this website. Oh, man. So um, I am a food photographer, and my co-hosts, one is a wedding photographer, and the other is a product and fashion photographer. And we started this podcast because we wanted to create a community of 
photographers who are working their way up to building their businesses. And one thing we notice is just how lonely entrepreneurship is and how discouraged you can get when things aren't going the way that you hoped or that you want. And so it really helps when you have a tribe, like a community to gas you up, encourage you, push you, and just grow along with you. And so we thought it would be really cool to start something like that. That's excellent. So do you guys have guests? And you do food, you said. So Yes, yes. So the photographers that we feature are full-time um, professionals who are working in the field. And we talk with them about their journey. Like we try to take it back to the beginning of, you know, their careers and just what the feeling was getting into this business and growing and how they dealt with, you know, struggles and accomplishments and just giving advice to our listeners who are working on their careers. And just to know that every top professional, every top dog started at the bottom too. And, you know, not everybody starts right at the, you know, top of the mountain right away. They work their way up. And so we hope that our listeners understand that and are encouraged by that. No kidding. I know, well, one of the most overused sayings is every overnight success was 10 years in the making. And mm-hmm. I did actually go, I was listening to someone speak and, and she said, there's nothing special about me except I was really consistent at what I did for 10 years. And, mm-hmm. you know, she took years and just consistently posted the same thing. And then it starts to gain traction. And that's, I mean, that's really what it's about. Sometimes you can get it in the right place or with the right person and it can gain a little extra traction, but really it's a lot of hard work. So oh, yeah, take me back. Let's talk about your hard work. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, so what, um, what do you want to know? Where, well, where should I tell me your dad died a couple years ago, but yes. And there was this whole, your dad was, um, your mom was Mexican you were born, mm-hmm. ta-da, and you got a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Up above. Thanks, and Dad. And <laughs> what happens, because I know some of your, your story, but I want you to tell our listeners about it and um, kind of those struggles that you went through. When did, when did the struggling start, other than elementary school when you learned your real name? Really, the struggle started right down from childhood. I mean, my... Um, my dad went to prison when I was five. So my mom was left with my, you know, taking care of my brothers and I. And my mom has probably an eighth grade education, worked fast food restaurants, and she often had two or three jobs. So we moved around a lot. And oftentimes, you know, we just didn't know if we were going to have a home or not. And it, things didn't really start, you know, getting steady or consistent until around the time I was in middle school. And really that was because my brothers dropped out of school to help my mom pay bills. And so they really sacrificed a lot for me to finish high school and go on to college. And so I went on to college with, I mean, for me, this just giant tower of pressure on my shoulders. Like I I felt like I had to be the best at everything because I had to make my family proud because I was a first for a lot of things in my family. I was a, well, except for graduating, I was the second in my entire family, like extended. 
um, to graduate high school, but I was the first to go to college in my whole family. And so you have some family members who want me to fail just so that way they'll feel better about themselves. And then you have my family who are just so proud of me. And so having that kind of pressure on your shoulders, it does a lot to you. And I got real close to finishing. I, I was about a year away from finishing and I just got to a point where I couldn't do this anymore. And I studied theater arts. I, was, I started theater arts when I was in the eighth grade. It's actually what got me out of trouble because I was headed down that way. I was hanging out with the wrong kind of people. Um, my brother kindly called them hood rats, <laughs> but um, he didn't want me hanging around with bad influencers. And so I joined theater, a bunch of nerdy kids, and I fell in love with that. And that was my love all through middle school, all through high school. And it's what I went to college for. And so this was just a giant part of my life. So when I left school, I had no idea what was next. I mean, I just knew that the track that I was on, which was to be a teacher, I didn't want to do that. And I wanted to leave Texas. I wanted to go to California, go to New York and work on theater. But I was so afraid that I would fail again that I just didn't. So I got a job, eventually got my own apartment. And yes, I was paying my bills, but I was so unhappy. And I'd say my depression was about a 10-year stretch because every job that I worked at, it was just one you know, shithole after the other. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And there's nothing more depressing than working in an office where everybody is doing exactly what they want and you're there because of a paycheck. Like, it's just, it's such a hard feeling to be in that environment and to be happy and just to, you know, look at things on the bright side. You really become bitter and depressed so that's kind of what my life was. I, I paid my bills and then I went home because I didn't have time to do anything else. And for the longest time, I just, I couldn't find something to be passionate about because I thought that the only thing I was ever good at was theater because it's my whole life. So what next? What am I good at? And that was the struggle for the longest time. And it wasn't until my husband you know, sat down with me and we talked about this at the time he was my boyfriend, but we talked about this and I just told him, I hate my life. And that was the first time I ever said it out loud. I hate my life. Whatever this is, I hate it. And it's hard to even think of continuing life like this for 10 years, but I don't know what else to do. I'm not good at anything else other than typing and, and I was good at theater, but I, I left that dream. So what now? What did your family, how, I can't even imagine you're the first one that goes to college and everybody's so proud of you. And I know those are, they're those that want you to fail, but what about your family in that conversation when you decided to stop? And what, what about teaching? I have so many questions. What about teaching did you not like? Because you could have taught something like the arts. And did you, mm -hmm. were you taking any types of art sort of classes like photography in college that really sparked you? Well, first, my, my family 
you know, they supported me completely and totally. My mom is my biggest cheerleader. I mean, there's nothing I can do that that woman won't. I mean, she loves everything that I do. And I'm so thankful and grateful to have a mother like her because she's always told me that I could do whatever it is that I want to do if I wanted it hard enough. And it's taken me a long time to believe that. So she was right there defending me. If anybody in my family had a question, they're like, why aren't you in school? My mom would jump right in and say, it's none of your business. <laughs> so, you know, my family kind of, kind of knew what was going on, but at the same time, they didn't want to really, they didn't want to ask because A, my mom was there to jump in, but also B, they just knew that whatever was going on, it wasn't a decision that I made on a whim, you know, like I, it's not like I was irresponsible or anything. So they knew that this was a well thought out decision and there was no judgment there. And the funny thing is I'm the one who judged myself. I'm the one who shamed myself and, you know, called myself a failure and all these things. My mom, you talk to my mom, she'll tell you right here, right now, my daughter is this, 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 and this, and she brags about me. And I never did that about myself. And the thing about teaching is I love teaching and it's something that people have told me I'd be good at, but I don't like to live in small towns. And at the time, those are the only positions that would have been open. And I freaked out because I did not want to live in a small condensed town. Like that's not the life that I wanted for myself. And when I was looking at my future, that's all that I saw. And I wanted to live in Austin. I wanted to live anywhere but a small town. So I freaked out and I panicked and I dropped out. And I just, it was a decision that I knew that if I would have finished school, I would have regretted that just as much as I did regretting college, like leaving college. But the teaching part is actually fun. I, I love to see people learn. I love to be a part of that journey, mainly because I've learned so much from my teachers and they've changed my life so much. So I knew I would have been a great teacher. I just didn't want to teach in a small town. So I, I know it sounds, it might sound silly and I hope I don't offend anybody in a small town, but I grew up in the city. I'm a city girl and I want to stay in the city. So that's kind of where my head was at the time. And I was really going through this, um, uh, I call it my hippie phase. I was like barefoot for six months and I was all about the flowy skirts. I was very in tune with Woodstock and the mid-60s and just the freedom that came with it. And um, that's kind of where my head was at the time. And so I left school. It was a lot. It was, it was a hard thing to deal with. There's no judgment on my part, but I was wondering where where things were with you. I'm so glad that your mom and your family is so supportive. That would have been a really crushing blow. I mean, of course, we usually are our own worst critics, so I'm not surprised by that, but it's really good that you at least had support. So here you are. You have a boyfriend that clearly you liked because you married him and you're still together. Yes. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> and you finally yes. just admit, like, I hate my life. I didn't want to finish college, but I don't want to do this. And I gave up my only dream that I've ever had, and I am not mm-hmm. good at anything. So kind of that sounds a little bottom bottomed out. And yes, mentioned depression. Did you did you ever go to therapy? Were there things that you were doing to help with your to make things more positive? No, at the time I was just working in an office that I didn't get along with the team, and it was just an absolute miserable time for me. But honestly, I didn't really have the time to go see a therapist, but I have seen therapists before and they have helped me work out my issues because I also have social anxiety. So that didn't help life much, but um, I did see therapists and counselors and they helped me out. But I think the real problem or the real root of it all was that I wasn't pursuing something that brought passion out of me. And I was just pretty much punishing myself all these years, thinking that, you know, well, this didn't work out because I wasn't, you know, strong enough or consistent enough or anything enough to complete this. And that I had one more year. Why couldn't I just hold it out one more year? Like those are conversations I had with myself through the next 10 years. And I just needed to let that go. And my husband really helped me come to terms with that, that I can either spend the rest of my life regretting that decision, or I can spend the rest of my life changing it. And I, he changed my life when he kind of encouraged me and pushed me to pursue photography and to give it a shot because I wouldn't have done it on my own. I can say that wholeheartedly. I wouldn't have done it on my own. I mean, I continued my career on my own, but that initial encouragement and push is really because of him. I love the look that you got on your face when you started. I'm here to tell you folks, (laughs) talk to me a little bit about the social anxiety and did you, was that something your whole life? Was that impacting you in college? How was that? It impacted me definitely in college. It's, it's actually around the time that I just, I, I noticed something was off. I, you know, I was made fun of a lot in elementary school because I moved around a lot. And on top of that, you know, I lived with family that didn't really take good care of me. And so I got made fun of for it by the other kids. And so that kind of affected how I made friends. And when I started middle school, it was really hard for me because I, it was, I didn't know anybody. And I was so afraid to talk to people because I was afraid that they would make fun of me. And it, At the time in sixth grade, I thought maybe something was off because there's one thing about being nervous, but it's another thing to be absolutely terrified. But then I made friends and it went away. And when I went to high school, all my friends from middle school went to high school. So it's not like I had to get to know anybody new. But then I went to college and I went to college in a different city and I didn't know anybody. I didn't have no friends, nothing. And I actually didn't make my first friend until two months later. 
when I met my best friend. And I used to call my mom every single day crying and telling her that something's wrong with me because I'm so scared to talk to people. And what if they don't like me? And what if I can't make any friends? And what if I'm not cut out for this? And what if I made a mistake? Like I used to call my mom every day for two months and I'm, I'm the youngest and I'm the baby girl. So my mom was just torn apart because she didn't know what to do and she didn't know how to save me. But this was something that I had to work out on my own. But it wasn't until I met my best friend two months later that she introduced me to the rest of the theater department. And from there, I made friends. And college really changed after that. But the first two months, it was so terrible. Like I spent my birthday alone and somebody talked to me at a vending machine and I freaked out and I ran up to my room and I cried. Like I was so scared to... Just, I mean, the people that I talked to during that time were either opening doors and I was saying thank you, or it was me saying here to the professor when he'd call out my name. But other than that, I just, I was so scared to talk to people. And, you know, I did make a friend here and there, but they weren't really people that I would normally hang out with. I was just, I really wanted somebody to talk to me. So I just made friends with the first person that, you know, looked my way and talked to me, even though I was like terrified as heck to talk to them. But once I met my best friend, Nikki, I mean, that girl just, I just, I have these people in my life who just encouraged me and pushed me to be something or just to put myself out there and to help me see that I can do these things and I'm not this terrible person. So she was, she's still my best friend. She was my maid of honor. Yay. Isn't it great somebody sees you? I think a lot of us, I think everybody, but I think a big thing is just really, really wanting to be seen for who we are and have it be Mm. okay. Yes. That, that fear of rejection or not fitting in or it's so silly because we're all so different and that's a cool thing, but Mm -hmm. I get what you're saying. Um, and college, I always felt like college is when you can really relax and be yourself and lean into that, but you have to be ready and comfortable to do that, which we're not. So it does take a little time and effort. So Nikki's still around. What was mm-hmm. her role? Because I know your husband, he really encouraged you. I mean, talk to me about hitting the point where you say you hate your life. That it's so, hard for the other person because they're part of your life. Yes. It I was really hard that. for my husband to see me this way because this, from what he explains to me it, or explained to me is he said that, you know, you are one of the most stubborn, headstrong women I've ever met. And the things that you can do are just phenomenal, but you don't see that because of a decision you made a long time ago. So I had left one job at a physical therapy clinic for another job at another physical therapy clinic. And that was right around the time that I had just kind of accepted that whatever theater I had in my life, that was, that person's gone this is the new direction I'm going in. I'm just going to work in offices and that's going to be my life. So I go to this office job and immediately I I don't like it. It's just terrible. But 
they're paying me a pretty darn good salary. So I stayed and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna give it a year and maybe it'll get better. But it didn't. It got worse and worse and worse and worse. There were days where I would just cry and cry and cry and cry and then come out, do my job, go back in the bathroom, cry, 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 and just count down the minutes and hours till I could leave. It was just bad days, one right after the other. And I felt stuck because where else am I going to go? I don't have a college degree, so it's not like I could go get a better job. Well, I could go run back to my old job, but I, was, I thought I was moving on up. I'm moving back down. And, and I thought, is this my life? Am I just going to keep going from one job to the next? Same pay, same pay level, nothing higher, nothing lower. I'm capable of so much more. But I, I screwed my life up back then, and this is my life now. And I had a very bad day at work. Wanted to leave, but I didn't because I don't got no money, <laughs> so I have to stay. And when I got home, I was actually at my boyfriend's house, and I just sat down on the couch, and I just started crying, uncontrollably started crying. And it was just all too much. It was like I spent 10 years just keeping everything in, like, I can do this. I can, you know, this is, this is my life, and I can do this. I can get better or whatever. But that moment, I think it all just came crashing down, that everything that I've been feeling and experiencing for the last 10 years came crashing at that moment. And when I said it out loud, I hate my life, I just, I didn't know how to handle that kind of emotion. And all I could do was just repeat, and I'm getting teary-eyed thinking about this, but all I could think was, I hate my life and I'm not going anywhere up. And that is just the most depressing feeling because I felt like I've screwed my life up 10 years ago and this is where I'm at now. And I wanted to do so many great things for my mom, for my family, for my nieces and my nephews. Like I wanted them to be proud of me and here I am struggling, hating my job. And my husband, who's like one of the most logical people on the planet, he goes, well, what are you looking for in an employee? Like, it's just such an odd question. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, he's like, what are you looking for in an employee? And I never thought about that. All I knew is that I just didn't like this, but I never thought, well, what do I want? in an employer, you know, what, what, what am I looking for? And so I started listing all these things, like what would the perfect job look like for me? And after what was like probably three minutes of a list, my husband was quiet and he took a gulp and he's like, sounds like you're a business owner. <laughs> sounds like you need to go into business for yourself. And I started laughing because I was like, what am I going to start a business in? I'm not good at anything. And he's like, sure you are. What do you like to do? And I started listing things off. I was like, well, obviously theater. I like geocaching. I used to do theater a lot or photography a lot. And he's like, well, why don't you start a photography business? Like, just like that. Why don't you just start a photography business? And I'm like, because I suck at it. <laughs> It's always just been a hobby, but I, nobody's going to pay me to take pictures of them. He said, sure they will. If, if you put yourself out there, 
and you say, this is how much I, I charge, surely somebody's going to pay you. And I told him, no, my work sucks. Nobody's going to pay me for anything. He said, sure, your work sucks now, but as you get better, as your skills improve, you're, you can start charging more and you'll get better and you'll be able to make a living off of this. And he said, just think about it. And I told him, whatever, not doing that. Let's just kick that one out the door. So that happened. I went back to work the very next day, knowing that I didn't want to be there. And of course, it was another crappy day. And it was barely noon. Like I was sitting in the parking lot in my car thinking I could just drive away and never come back here. I didn't. I went back in. And the worst thing that could have happened happened. And I walked out of there crying again. And on the way home, I thought, okay, I guess I'll start a business and see where this goes. And what was the worst that's, thing that could have happened? It was a conflict with one of the other um, employees. He basically was a bully. And I reached my breaking point. And, you know... At the end of the day, it just wasn't going to work, so it didn't work. But in detail, uh, I don't know what it was about me, but he, he was just basically a bully. And he would come in, terrorize me, leave the office. And the worst part is, is that I didn't have the backing of my office. They backed him because he'd been there a lot longer than I had been. So as far as allegiances went, they were automatically taking his side. So that pretty much said to me that I was alone in this game and, you know, I was trying to find a job. I didn't find one because they fired me before I could find one. But honestly, I was, I was very excited when they fired me and I was going home, but I was also freaking out because I was like, oh, crap. How am I going to pay my rent? <laughs> How am I going to pay my rent? But um, it wasn't, uh, it was enough to make me want to change my life completely and go in a different direction. Was there a point when you realized or came to terms with the fact that you're punishing yourself for this? Yes. Okay. I, I, I mean, because you're, you are, and I'm not minimizing what was happening at work, but you are making yourself suffer for this. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you're just kicking oh, yeah. yourself over and over again. I agree. I agree. It's I so, agree. It makes me so sad. <laughs> <laughs> People who know me will not be surprised by this because I am so hard on myself, harder than I'd say most people are. And the reason I, I am this way is because I've always felt like, you know, I have to be hard on myself. The minute I'm not is the minute I get lazy. But there comes a point where it's a little bit ridiculous, you know? And when I was talking about, like, leaving school and feeling so guilty about it and just wondering, like, I can't make this business work, I quit school... And my, my husband was like, look, I get it, but man, that was 10 years ago. 
<laughs> quit punishing yourself for, for something, for a decision you made when you were going through a very hard time in life and you were young when you made that decision, it's different now. So let it go. Like you're never going to be able to move on with your life if you can't let that go and just own it and accept it. It's a part of your past, but it doesn't define your future. It doesn't mean that, you know, this is it for you. You are as happy as you want to be. And that to me was like, a, you know, just groundbreaking, like, holy crap. I am as happy. Yeah. I was like, you mean I'm in control of my happiness? What? What about Nikki? What was he saying about this? Nikki was just a wonderful listener. That's her skill. She is amazing at being supportive, encouraging. And she was there when I left school. So she knows what what I was going through. And when I told her, she was the first person I told that I wasn't coming back to school. And she knew that it's not what she wanted me to do, but she understood why I was doing it. So every time I would call her and I would just tell her, you know, complain to her about how, you know, about everything, she was there listening and offering me advice. Like, this is, you know, when you let these things define you or control you, then you're letting the other force win. And you just got to, you got to hold on. You got to be patient. You got to believe that something better is coming along. And Nikki is one of the most patient people I've ever met. Like, Homegirl can wait for a lot of things, and I can't even wait for the gas tank to fill up. Like, I'm, like, snapping my fingers, like, come on, let's go. <laughs> I got to be somewhere. But she t- teaches me to just trust the path that I'm on, contribute as much as I can to it, and push myself as much as possible, but also trust that I can do this, I am doing this, and I will continue to do it. And I love that about her. I mean, I talk to her all the time. We text all the time. We can look at each other and know exactly what the other is saying and just start cracking up. So to have someone like her on my side cheering me on, honestly, I wouldn't have made it as far as I have without her, my husband, you know, now Kayla and Cheyenne, who are part of my tribe now. I mean, they really have been such a support unit for me. But she's been my ride or die for whew, for over 10 years. I mean, our friendship, we met in 2004, the, 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 was it the fall of 2004? And we've been friends ever since. I figured she was kicking your butt in some way, in some oh, way. Oh yeah. Because my best friend's the same way. So whenever I talk myself down, she tells me, uh-uh, you're not going to be talking about my best friend like that. <laughs> don't be talking about my friend like that. And how, how can you talk to yourself like that, but encourage and push other people? So she's, she's always called me out anytime I'm being really tough on myself and putting myself down. She's right there to correct me and say, uh-uh, that's not how a queen talks. That's not how a queen treats herself. And I'm like, yeah, she's right. (laughs) She's right. (laughs) Your husband tells you, he asks such great questions. They're they're planting seed and thinking questions. He asked you, well, what does your ideal job look like? What Mm -hmm. do you like to do? That's really, I mean, like life coach stamp, you know? Yes. (laughs) Those are the questions you, if you're, if you're that unhappy with how things are, 
then let's figure out how to change it. What do you not like? What are you looking for? What do you love to do that you're just passionate about? So you were like, photography is a hobby and I'm not good at it. So that's not going to happen. So, but then you lose your job. Mm -hmm. So what happened next? So what happened next is I actually went back to my old job and I loved it. I loved it. I didn't love the fact that I was back there because, you know, I was trying to move up and I felt like I was moving down. But at the same time, I was back on familiar ground, which was wonderful because while I'm working there, that's when I really started to work on my business and, you know, putting out the website, getting the business account and really setting things up. And right around that time, I decided to start my business and I did an Indiegogo campaign and I raised enough money to purchase a camera, a professional camera. And that's how I got started doing like family photo shoots and senior sessions. And from there, referrals went out and that's how I started booking, you know, more and more clients. But my coworker, Charlotte, was like, hey, you have a camera a really nice camera so we can start a food blog because the key to a food blog are really good pictures. So we're starting a food blog. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know anything about food photography, but okay. So I took my first fo food photo and that was all she wrote. And I fell in love with food photography and we started our food blog. Let's talk about it blog. And, um, it's, that's, that's my baby right there too. And Charlotte and I are really close friends and we built this blog together and that actually started me into wanting to go back to school because I wanted to learn as much as I could about food photography and I wanted the photos on our blog to be the best that they could be. I didn't want to just be a food blog. I wanted to be a really good food blog. And I went back to school at ACC, which I'm still at. I'm studying food photography, not food photography, but I'm studying photography. And hopefully I'm graduating next year, 2020. Got a few more classes left and I'll be getting my associates in photography, which I'm very, very, very proud of and excited for. Look at that. So, yeah. So things have really, really changed. And I'd say in the last three years, I left my office job to pursue photography and to go back to school. And that's kind of how things really started to take off as far as what I'm doing today. So really the craziness started with the food blog because <laughs> I fell in love with food photography and it's what I want to do full time instead of family photography. How great that you raised money to buy yourself the camera. That's phenomenal yes. because that's not yes. really easy to do. So not you, at all. You not were at not all. afraid to market yourself in that way. I mean, when you decided you no. wanted something. No. And at the time when I did the Indiegogo campaign, my, and it's still a dream and goal of mine, I wanted to do more um, photo shoots for low income families 
because I know that photography is super important because I don't have any pictures of myself as a baby. We moved around that much that we lost a lot of things over the years. I think the first photo I've seen of myself, I was in kindergarten and that's because my high school counselor gave me that picture because I didn't have a picture to contribute to the yearbook. And so she took out the picture of my file and she's like, here, you, you, you can submit this. And that was like the first photo I saw of myself as a kid. So I've always thought, wow, what did my brothers look like as babies? What did we look like as babies? And it's a part of my life that just is missing. So I wanted to be able to provide beautiful family photos for low-income families. And that's something I still would love to do when my business is where I want it to be. It's something that I plan to do for, you know, like Christmas mini sessions. And I just want it to be through a charity, through some kind of organization where I can do mini sessions. Because even though I focus on food photography, it really still is important to me to be able to give back to organizations that helped me as a kid. I never saw a picture of myself as a child. It's so interesting because no one else has ever talked about that. And then I, it was probably, it was about 20 years ago, maybe a little bit more, but I mean, I was over 30, I'd say right around there. My sister found a box of negatives in my mother's basement and took them. And then she and I developed them all. And we would just do batches at a time, you know, and we watched ourselves grow up and was so interesting. We grew up in tons of dysfunction with all kinds of crazy stuff and seeing myself as a baby, like, oh my gosh, there was a time when my parents loved each other and they wanted us, you know, and I got to see that through, I completely get it. You have no idea if, if you have pictures of yourself as a little kid, you'd kind of take it for granted. But if you don't see yourself, if you don't have that kind of relationship and how things worked, but it's really hard to not have that connection to who you are. So I love that you want to. And my favorite pictures are the, were the candid pictures, the pictures that, Oh yes. You know? Oh yes. So I love, I, that, that is a heartstring you thinking about doing that for the people, (laughs) even though food, it may be, it was a happy accident that food is your passion, which is hard. That's a tough, that's a tough subject. To, to take a picture of. I love that you want to go back and give that back. That's, that is a gift. That's a gift. And people oh, yeah. don't realize it until later, but I love that. Oh, yeah. So you're, fr- so you went back to your old job, which was now I want to ask you about your mindset at that point. Cause you, you lost a job and it was a relief and the seeds planted and you go back to your old job where obviously you fit in. At what point did you make the mindset change that this job was paying your bills and funding your passion? Well, really, it was just a matter of I needed a job right then and there. And my husband actually talked some logic into me because that's what he does. He said, look, this will be the last office job you ever take because you're growing a business and that business is going to take care of you in the future. So take this job, do your work and do it well and 
and make sure you set that boundary that this is a job. It takes care of your bills, but it's not something you're going to do forever. And set a timeline of when you would like to leave and work as hard as you can to get to that point. And the year that the year before I left, we actually made a plan. It was right down to January 1st, the year before I left. And we said, okay, by the end of this year, I'm leaving and I'm going to go to school. That's the goal. And that's what happened. And I went back to school and, and it was the craziest feeling to know that this is it. This is all. And I think that knowing that this was it for me, the last office job I was ever going to take made me work even harder to make my business work, to grow my business and to make that money. And even today, like my business isn't where I want it to be, but man, I can see that happening. And I'm willing to work as hard as I have to for as long as I have to. And I know that I can do it. And that was so much different than where I was when I left school and took off an office job. I just didn't know where I was going to end up. But this time around, when I went back to my previous job, I went back not feeling ashamed, not feeling embarrassed, but like I had a plan. And that was so different. So, so, so different. different. Isn't that yes. great? And I even had a different mindset. Like, you know, anything my boss said to me, I, I mean, sure, I got annoyed by it, but it didn't define the rest of my day. It was just like, okay, you're going to piss me off today. Well, I'm going to go home. I'm going to work on my business. I'm going to get closer to where I want to be. I'm not going to be here forever. You are. <laughs> so it was such a different feeling, even though most of everybody that I worked around, they were doing what they wanted to do. But I guess the difference was, is I had something to go home to. Yeah, it is different. And yeah. if that's what they want to do, there's no shame in that. That's not at all. That they found where they fit and that is where they want. It's when you don't fit that it's a problem. So mm-hmm. you started taking clients how did yes. how did you start doing that the those first few clients because once you start getting them and there's referrals and you have a good portfolio yes it's a little easier to market yourself so tell me about the the tough stuff in getting started and learning that well the tough stuff was um well the referrals the first clients really were from the indiegogo campaign and the folks who invested in me. And I was messaging people every single day. Like I, I may have annoyed several people, but I just, I think that by showing how passionate and how much I wanted this, it may have encouraged people or, you know, everybody wants to be part of a story of making it happen. And so really the start of my business really started through the people who believed in me by contributing to my Indiegogo. And from there, they referred me, you know, referred me to their friends and families. And then they hired me and then they referred me and it just grew from there. That's amazing. Yeah. That's great. So you, you were building business as you were purchasing your camera and all of that. That's really fantastic. So you, you're getting you're getting clients and you're taking pictures and how cool that you went back to your old job with a different Mm -hmm. mindset. And then this whole other situation, tell me about the blog. I mean, did you think she was crazy? Oh yeah. You know, I, Charlotte is, she has taught me to be open-minded because I'm so cautious. I, 
if it's too hot outside, I probably will wear double socks just so I won't burn my foot. Like I'm one of the most paranoid people on the planet. And Charlotte is so carefree and willing to try anything. And I trust her completely and wholly. So when she came to me with this crazy idea, I thought she was nuts. But then I also thought, well, this is Charlotte. So, okay, it's not that out of the ordinary, but I really didn't even know what a food blog was. I was like, what, you just put pictures up of, of food, of recipes? Like, how does this, how does this work again? <laughs> But when we actually did our first photo shoot, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was having so much fun and it was fun doing it with her. And we eventually, how we started our blog, it didn't initially start out the way that it is. Like we create recipes for books that we love to read and it's a full course meal of, you know, wrapped around the theme of the book, which is awesome because I love to read and so does she. So the fact that I get to be creative, I realized that as far as this blog goes, it's not necessarily theater that I was obsessed with. It was the fact that I love to create. And I guess for the longest time when I left school, I thought that theater was over for me. And and it was, but it wasn't theater itself that drove me. It was the love of creating. So when I started Let's Talk About It with Charlotte, I fell in love because we were creating something very unique and something that was passionate to the both of us. So So let's talk about it. You guys actually read a book and create a four-course meal surround mm-hmm. the four-course meal you think you should eat for reading this book? Yeah, and we actually, Charlotte writes in the character... Um, she writes in character. So it's basically fan fiction with food. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it. And I handle, of course, the photography, but I also handle a lot of the behind the scenes, like making sure that the website is running and any press or submitting our blog to, you know, magazines or stuff like that like I handle a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and so whenever Charlotte and I go to networking events she is such a social butterfly she talks to anybody and everybody and I'm usually standing behind her like hi I'm with Charlotte (laughs) so um it it's a really cool balance in the blog but um yeah it's 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 been an interesting ride as far as the blog goes and how cool was it that you discovered your love of food photography because that launched you in a totally different oh, yeah. direction oh yeah it, it it was it was really cool I mean I think I mean I love food photography and I think I picked up on it so well is because I could practice as long as I wanted to as opposed to with people I would get so nervous especially if it was somebody I didn't know it was a new client like I felt like I had to be this you know peppy go lucky all the time but with food I could really take my time with it and try and experiment and take a picture from this angle and maybe I'll try it in this light like I could really really get down and uh, dirty with it and the more that I practiced, the more I fell in love with it. So yes, it's super awesome and ironic that this food blog launched my love of, of food photography. No kidding. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> so then the woman, Charlotte, that you're doing that, that you do that with is not on the podcast. 
No, um, Charlotte, her strengths are food, de uh, recipe development, writing, but she is not a photographer. <laughs> right. So you do that with her. How did the podcast idea come up? Well, the podcast idea came up um, because uh, it came up through... So Kayla and Cheyenne and I met in intermediate photography and we continued our friendship on past that class. And we used to meet up for coffee. I mean, we still do. We would meet up for coffee and we would do like co-working dates and we would just talk about business and growing. And it became pretty obvious that the three of us wanted to be full time, like this was the goal that we all three wanted each. And it became this kind of um, support group where we would just talk about what we were struggling with and celebrate each other's accomplishments. And somewhere along the way, we were um, talking about just how awesome this group that we formed is and how much it's helped us um, go further in our career. Like we really started putting ourselves out, me especially. Like I started going to networking events, which was a very scary thing for me to do. Like stranger danger, you know. But at the encouragement of them and having them as friends, I, you know, I went even further in pursuing my career. So we just talked about that, and we thought, why don't we start a podcast? Like, would you guys be interested in that? And it just kind of snowballed from there. Next minute, we're buying microphones and I'm developing a website and we've recorded our first episode in, uh, in May and then we posted in June. That is huge. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So look at you and your husband might have been a little bit right. Uh, <laughs> I, I totally understand being hung up in theater. I was in theater. Anyway, I, there's a lot of things in the arts. And I took a drawing class, like an art class in college my yeah. year. And my professor said she passed me with a C if I never took another class of hers again. No. <laughs> That's bad. It was, that, it was that bad. And it's hard when you think about the arts as a whole. Like if you're not good at one or you can no longer do theater, that's mm -hmm. it. The buck yes. stops. You're done. Like pull the plug, white flag. That's it. And there's so much in the arts and just being creative that that's so not true. I don't want people to be discouraged if you're not good or not able to do one form. There's Absolutely. a million others. And you, like you said, you yeah. love theater because of the creativity. The theater part was great, but it was really that aspect of it that when you move it forward, you are happy because you have that. Exactly. In a lot of different exactly. ways. And you were able at some point, I mean, you were able to be open about doing this. Feel like, what the heck? I'll practice on food. <laughs> what the yeah. Like, what's going to Strawberry is going to be pissed. It's okay. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. But you still were willing to talk about that, which, which had been hard for you and your mindset prior, even though you were unhappy. Very much. Very much. I mean, I was so stuck with this image, you know, of being a theater person. Anyone who knew me in high school and middle school and even college knew me as the girl that was in that play. And I guess I just sort of wrapped my whole identity in that person and didn't really open myself up to being something or someone different. Who I am today is so much different than who I was back then. 
but it's not like I would not be that person ever again because I had to go through all of that to get to where I am now. And where I am now is so much more exciting, I think. <laughs> I also think we, we don't take a step back and look at the fact that you were working a job with the total wrong side of your brain. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. no wonder it was constant friction and you felt uncomfortable and you didn't fit in. And part of the friction was coming from outside and part of it was coming from you internally. I mean, you were just oh yes, forcing yourself to absolutely use the opposite side of your brain and what was comfortable for you. So, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it that you don't understand until you get a little on the other side. Exactly. When you're looking at it from the outside, it's definitely a lot different. What would you, so I I get the connection between you wanting to go into photography and um, I hope your husband keeps planting seeds and I hope you keep smiling and thinking (laughs) you're not going to take his advice. (laughs) That's an awesome thread in your relationship. I just love it. Um, So what would you, with all of the depression and the social anxiety and really just hitting that point where you hate your life that much, what would you have told yourself back then? What would you tell someone else struggling, just just struggling in that spin your wheel spot in life? Well, the first thing I would say is anything, any decision that you feel like you made that was a turning point that turned your life or, you know, in the wrong direction, let that go. Because that is only part of your story, but it's not your story. And trust that everything's going to be all right, but, but lean on the friends that are there for you. And one thing's for sure, when you, when you do change, when you start going in that other direction, that positive life-changing direction, you will lose some friends because they don't want you to succeed. Maybe because they're struggling in their own life and they don't want to be left behind, but you can't, you can't focus on that. Just focus on you and trust that everything's going to be all right. And, and lean on your friends because they want to help you. They want to be there for you. The real ones, they want you to be okay. So lean on them. So that's what I would say. Thank you so much, Mika, for sharing your story. This was really fun. I love having you on. I'm sorry I cried there earlier. Oh, no. It's a good podcast episode when you do that deep. So I'm always thankful of that. And no one's going to see it anyway. What happens on the podcast, on the podcast. So it's all good. Thank you for taking the time to get naked with us. If you'd like to bear it all with me, get in touch. Your story is unique and valuable. Let's show it off.